Yes, Thank man. You. Dale Thompson. Yes, how are you? Good. How's your day going? Good. Good morning. Good. It's it's early for you. You're in New Zealand. Yeah, it's uh one seventeen. Okay. That's yeah. That's a heck of a time difference from here. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. How was your Good Friday? Did you uh do anything special? Do you go out on Good Friday or stay home? Mm, no. No, I uh went to the grocery store. Okay. <laughs> Cuz uh cuz today is actually is today Friday or Saturday? For you it's Saturday, I think. Yep. Oh uh, yeah, so that was yesterday. No, I stayed home for Good Friday yesterday, so. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Well, hey man, well thank you for uh agreeing to be on Good Company, my yeah. podcast. <laughs> This yeah. is great. I grew up watching you um, or listening to you, so this is an honor, and I'm representing tonight. See, I got my. Ah, I saw that right away. Yeah, yeah. I can't believe it. I don't. I don't even have one of those. It smells like <laughs> uh, it smells like if I uh, like maybe a grandmother's attic right now because it's been in storage. So <laughs> that's uh, that's a lot of dedication to to be wearing yeah, it. You. Uh, yeah, yeah. You might could... wash it, and it may may just. You know, disappear on you too. So it's uh... yeah, good, good shrink. Yeah. yeah. Well, today I've been listening to the new Bride album, Eyes Wide Open. It is so good. I love it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's the um, uh, EP. So it's more of an EP. Yeah, I should clarify that. Yeah, the the LP will be out next month. So it's got twelve songs on it. Oh, great. Okay, yeah, yeah. I get confused sometimes with the LP and the EP. So yeah, what what happens is that um, th- this album has has been recorded for a very long time. I mean, mm. a year and a half probably, and uh, it took us a while to get it get it mixed and get it back. Then we we uh, worked out uh, a mutual deal with uh, Retroactive, <clears throat> and um, they wanted a marketing campaign of pushing the EP first. So uh, I thought the, I thought the EP was going to come out a couple of months earlier than it did, but it, it probably is coming out exactly at the right time because I don't know what other um, albums other people are, are putting out. And, and I put out so many albums myself that I don't want to compete with one of my own projects. So <laughs> I don't know of anything coming out next month that I've done other than the bride album. So how did you uh, get involved with uh, Retroactive Records? Um, did they find you, or you find them? I've known uh, I've known uh, uh, Matt Hunt for a number of years, probably. Maybe I don't know. It goes way back 25, 30 years, probably. Um, I mean, he's actually been to Troy's house and and stuff. So uh, nobody ever comes to my house, but they'll go to Troy's for some reason. <laughs> but anyway, <clears throat> it's probably because of the dogs. But anyway, um, and now the distance. But um, uh, we've known him forever, it seems like. And then when he was just starting up, um, I, I don't I don't have the best memory on things, but I just know that we were without a record label and we really didn't care if we had a record label. And uh, Matt approached us and said, hey, I've, I've sort of got a vision for you guys. And um, although some of my other projects that I do are with, you know, Rocks or Girder or somebody like that, uh, we, we have stayed, uh, loyal to, to, uh, Matt with the, uh, the bride material. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. So he, he does this real well. He gets the albums out there. People seems, seem most of the time to know the album is available. It's not like it was in the old days where 
an album came out and everybody knew about it because there was a write-up in CCM magazine or Heaven's Metal magazine or, you know, we were represented at a, a festival. Uh, not anything to that degree anymore. I mean, we think the internet would be a much better platform, but uh, the internet has kept Bride alive. There's no yeah. doubt about it. I have nothing bad to say about Facebook uh, whatsoever because with the bad, there's the good. And it's, and for, for me as an artist, it's only done good. Right. Uh, the only thing bad about Facebook is I get myself in trouble. So the less I say <laughs> sometimes, the better. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, Matt's Matt's been uh, like that fifth fifth Beatle for a long time. So did did Matt help you guys? You know, I don't know if Matt or if it was your guys' decision to when you released this EP, was it hard picking these four songs that were going to go first ahead of the LP? Or <clears throat> um, I didn't I didn't try to sway Matt one, one way or the other. Uh, I feel I feel pretty confident that he has his finger on the pulse of things and that he 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 would have received some feedback from one person or the other and um you know and and i think he picked the tunes that probably flowed best with the new songs yeah that that first song i guess it's the first song you released make me want to live again that isn't uh, i love that song i can't stop i mean i, I play it over and over again so good mm -hmm. Well, Great. it's 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 a really a good song. Uh, I don't think it's the best song on the album, and I'm glad he didn't release one of the other couple that I like better, mm. because uh, if I figured if people liked uh, "Make You Want to Live," uh, they're really going to like the rest of the album. There's no there's no uh, filler songs on the album whatsoever. We made sure that mm. we we tossed wow. anything that that we thought was not bride worthy. It's got to, it's got to reach a certain plateau now to be bride worthy. And oh. if it's not, we, we toss it. So when you say toss it, you, you write, do you guys write a lot of songs and then pick the best, or do you just write just enough to, to make the album? No, or, we, we write, yeah. we do write extra songs. Um, what happens is, is that Troy will, um, something will spark in him and he'll let me know. And he'll say, I'm writing the bride album now because he and I together are doing a lot of other stuff as you probably know some of it uh, with uh, the uh, classic cover songs that we do almost oh, weekly. Yes. Yeah. It's cool. And uh, yeah. And we, we have a new one of those coming out in the next couple of days too. It's, it's going to be a, a surprise for everybody, but Troy, Troy does this is he starts writing the bride songs and then he sort of gets in the zone and he sends me the music here. And, from there, uh, if I already have lyrics written, I attempt to use those lyrics uh, to see if they fit, see if it's, it's the right, uh, you know, climate, atmosphere, landscape for the song, whatever. And uh, if not, then I will write a song according to that, uh, write the lyrics and then uh, record those lyrics, send them back to Troy, see what he thinks about it. And sometimes he'll say, you know, um, the chorus needs to have more of a hook. It's not, it's, it's not memorable enough. Mm. Or what if you rephrase this or that? And, you know, then we sort of bounce it back and forth. And, and if I hear something for him, like, you know, um, you know, why are we starting with a chorus? It would be better to start with the verse. Then he'll flip that around. So Troy and I have this amazing work working relationship and always have, we never argue. We never disagree. Oh, wow. We respect one another a hundred percent. So if Troy tells me something's not working, mm. it's not working. And if I tell him, I hear something in my head, 
he understands that he, he, you know, needs to do some rearranging. So it's, it's definitely a team effort. It's, there's not either one of us is more equal than the, the other end or higher above the other one in the band. We work, uh, you know, very cohesive and, yeah. uh, and, and have always done that to the chagrin of some band members who just, you know, we tried to work with certain guys and it just, you know, we, it, it was like pulling teeth sometimes, you know how it is when you, you're trying to write with somebody and they either have too many ideas or they're way <laughs> off in another world. Troy and I as brothers, we seem to be on the same page 99% of the time. No, that's, that's a great point. Do you ever, I got kind of two questions. Do you ever run out of things to write about and do you write for other people? Uh, I do I mean, write for other people. I, I, I've, I've been recording on about 16 to 18 different projects, not just albums, wow. projects for the last few years. I've written over a thousand songs in the last 36 months. That's amazing. Um, yeah. So I, I keep writing, you know, I've got bands like uh, Iron 501, um, the Thomas Thompson Earth Project, Perpetual Paranoia, uh, We Are, Res we Are Resolute, uh, The World Will Burn. Uh, Swingle and Thompson ordained. I mean, I could just keep wow. naming bands, you know. Uh, so I write for all of those bands, and I, I probably put out five or six albums a year. And the Reconciled, which um, the first album that that Todd Stevens and I did is is a remarkable album, and I think it did get overlooked a bit because it's not thrash metal or or super duper heavy. It's it's more just a really great hard rock album. Yeah. Uh, and that's definitely one for people to, to listen to, but, um, yeah, I think that, uh, what was the first part of your question? No, well, the first part was, do you ever, um, <clears throat> uh, do you ever get kind of writer's block with so much? Material? Oh yeah. Writer. Um, well, to tell you the truth, I recently have had a little writer's block. I used to have a folder with, I keep about an average of 200 lyrics and completed lyrics in the folder. And oddly enough, because I've recorded so much, I've either dissected those apart to where they're no longer usable because I've used pieces of it in other songs, or I've just used the entire uh, lyric and uh, it's gone, you know. So now my uh, my vault is very empty and I also write short stories. So a lot of times I end up writing so much in my short stories that I'm not writing lyrics no more like i used to i used to write lyrics every day now i'm writing short stories every day because oh, i'm actually wow. getting paid for the short stories so that's so that's a, a cool thing for me is that i'm a published author in writing short stories what so, are these stories about by, by the way these short stories they're um i started off trying to just write mystery stuff and then it turned into horror and now it's like horror mystery combined uh, with always a twist at the end of the uh, the story, and they're being uh, published and read through uh, uh, scary tales told at, at dark on uh, Otis Jerry's podcast, uh, okay. and he's got a couple million subscribers, so it's really cool. Like this weekend, he's reading four of my stories on his podcast, and the, sto oh, the stories wow. are about five thousand, six thousand words. So, you know, 30, 40 minutes each read and it takes people from point a to point b no gore no profanity no sexual content it's just spooky eerie setting the scene you know kind of like paranormal stuff and all that 
so when growing up um you know before music i guess when you were in school did you write a lot i mean was this you sound like like a super smart student you know i don't know that's cool uh i i did write a lot i uh i started writing uh, short stories actually when i was about five years old and uh, probably the first songs that i wrote I was probably 12. Uh, so I started writing songs about 12 years old because wow. by then I could, I could actually make chords and follow chord patterns. And, you know, I never, I never intended to be a uh, solo lead guitar player or anything. I would just play the basic chords and tried to come up with melodies. But at that time I was doing more, uh, more Southern gospel and very light contemporary Dallas Holmes and praise, uh, uh, Rusty, he's a Rusty Goodman, Don Francisco type stuff at the time. So uh, then it somehow it, it trans transgressed, as some people will say, but it's, it um, <clears throat> transformed into whatever it is I'm doing today. What 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 music were you into growing up? What were your influences, band wise? The the early the early influences uh, were, were were Christian artists like the Imperials and Petra and. Uh, I've always listened to, to Christian music. Um, and then in the secular realm, I guess, uh, I mean, very early on, it was it was John Denver and Kenny Rogers and Bob Seger and uh, stuff, people like that. And it yeah. wasn't until 1980 when I heard the Seeds of Change album by Kerry Lovegren that uh, it changed my perspective on on what I should be doing. It That album really spoke to me like no other album. So <clears throat> I wasn't a wasn't necessarily a big Kansas fan at the time, but I did go out and buy some Kansas albums, not knowing that Ronnie James Dio was not the singer of Kansas. <laughs> and um, so once I educated myself that the greatest vocal on Carrie Livgren's album was Ronnie James Dio, uh, I uh, went out and bought some uh, Dio stuff. Uh, I tried to stay away from the Black Sabbath stuff early on mm-hmm. uh, because I'd heard so much about it all this, you know, ooh, it's super evil and stuff. So as a young Christian, I, I was uh, listening to, uh, not a young Christian, but just being young and being Christian. Um, so I, I did, I was influenced by Ronnie James Dio a great deal uh, in my, in my, my rock style. And later on, of course, I, I did, I did study Black Sabbath and Rainbow and some oh, of the yes. other bands and then, you know, learned about guys like Ian Gillen and, uh, you know, some of my favorite guys like that and the Bruce Dickinson's and, you know, Rob Halford's and people like that. And, mm. you know, oddly enough, I never, I never, oddly enough, uh, I never really studied Axl Rose and had, really didn't have a great appreciation for Axl Rose until just a few years ago. Uh, and that's to be honest, um, people thought that I, I sounded like him or he sounded like me, but um the 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 inspiration or the styles that I was going for back when I was getting that Axl Rose comparison was I was listening to a lot of Aerosmith and Mother Love Bone and oh, bands like yeah. that yeah. yeah and I was listening to bands like that and and the Soundgarden but uh, I had a hard time with Axl's voice so when people said that I I sounded like him it, they were complimenting me, but I wasn't taking it too much as a compliment <laughs> because uh, I didn't at the time I didn't. I didn't appreciate what Axel was doing, but now I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, the guy could yeah. really sing his butt uh-huh. off and uh, he he was fantastic. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, I was more into the songs than I was him at the time. Oh, okay. You know, they were kind of yeah. message and yeah, I get Yeah, that. the cool grooves and it seemed, it seemed like it was real life stuff. It wasn't 
some sort of just poetry thrown on the page, like a lot of stuff I do sometimes, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, they, they, they had lived, they had lived it and they sang about it. So that I respected them for that. <clears throat> you, you, um, you're such a great front man. I remember seeing you, you know, in, in the nineties, how do you, how do you become a front man? And, and, you know, I've seen you play in front of, you know, Brazil and all these fans and everything. Is that just come natural? You're like, you're just leading the crowd. You're, you know, you're in charge. I don't, I don't like, I don't like to be in a room with a lot of people. As a matter of wow. fact, anybody that knows me knows that I don't have people over and I don't go to their house and we sort of like two ships that pass in the night. Mm. Uh, I have a live pretty private, me and my wife, my, my two dogs. And uh, uh, so even, even, you know, uh, get together, get togethers I'm uncomfortable with. And I guess because I don't have any control over what, what really is happening. So I feel like, I feel like I'm a, I'm a fifth wheel out there. Um, so I don't know why I'm so much like that. Uh, I like the idea of friends, but I'd like to keep them at arm's length, so to speak, Yeah, you know, and yeah. I've got some very good friends, but I, I think that being on stage, it just gives you the opportunity to do something that you're, that's not really you. <laughs> mm. uh, people think that that guy on stage is me, but that's that guy on stage is not me. It's um, it's a, a character that I've created. Um, Dale Thompson on stage is not Dale Thompson in real life. Nothing, mm. nothing is the same. Uh, you know, I'm I'm just <clears throat> not the same guy. But when they say, "Ladies and gentlemen, here's Bride," and boom, I hit the stage, and that that character. I turn into that character and that character does does what he's supposed to do or what he's expected to do, because the only reason you're on that stage is because people have come to see you. So you want to give them what they've come to see. So, wow, that's that's incredible. How do you how do you get in the headset to put yourself in that character? I mean, is this do you get nervous? Do you have to build up to this thing? I mean, never get nervous. Don't think about it. I've been backstage before and it, right in the middle of just a conversation, leaning against the pole and heard it was you know we were announced and somebody says you need to go out there and i'm like oh already and i'll just go but i never get nervous wow, even when i sang that's amazing even when i sang for striper i uh i uh didn't have to get my 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 mind in that space to do it uh i mainly tried to stay away from janice because she was trying to put makeup on me to go <laughs> out so i was trying to hide from her so i kind of kind of <laughs> hid backstage where nobody could see me and, I was, and I'm sure they were like, well, where's Dale at? Well, start. I know he's here, you know. I uh, saw him put on <laughs> Michael's clothes, and he's coming out dressed as Michael, which I borrowed Michael's shirt or something. Oh, you're wearing a shirt? That's funny. Yeah, I think I was wearing a shirt. <laughs> and uh, and anyway, uh, they announced that I came out at that time, but I didn't because they were all back there getting dolled up because that was what you do in that day. And I had already, I'd already been through that phase. And, and wasn't going to put any eyeliner on. So, so <laughs> that come out just me. <laughs> that, that That's funny. That's a good point. He brought up that you played in Striper. A lot of people don't know you, you, you guys did a show, right? It was in the 91, 92 ish. Somewhere around. Yeah. There. We, uh, yeah. Brad had just toured with Striper and, and Striper is known for doing these long tours. Like, like they're doing now. Cause I just, I just hooked up with the boys here in New Zealand a few weeks ago. And, uh, and it's uh, it's it, it's quite cool because that was huge for Brad to tour with Striper. You know, we were their yeah. opening act, and Striper liked us so well that they allowed us to come back out for encores. 
So I knew that, wow, that's cool. You know, Brian's getting an encore at a striper show. And I didn't think much about it. And then uh, Robert pulled me to the side near the end. And he said, uh, Mike's, Mike's leaving us. And I, he didn't give me any detail. I didn't get any, any real detail. I, I think uh, from what I understood is that, that he just, he just felt like he should be doing something different than striper at the time. I don't know if that's what, what, what it was. I never, I never foreseen myself as a long-term replacement because you can't replace Michael and striper, Michael and Robert, or striper basically. I mean, Oz too, yes. you know, but, but, but even if Oz would to, were to leave, they, it would be Michael and it's like Brian, you know? So, yeah. yeah I was just going to say that. Troy yeah. Now. Yep. Exactly. So, um, so anyway, yeah, uh, I did, I think it was two sets in one night or something, something like that. And yeah, so it was, it was somewhat short lived, but, but we really uh, used it to slingshot Brian at that time. And um, I remember Cornerstone, the record label Star Song, did a, a newspaper. And it basically the he headlines were, is Dale leaving Bride for Striper? And they handed out like 5,000 of these newspapers to float around Cornerstone that year. And so everybody was reading it. And people that really didn't know who I was or, or, or followed Bride, but were huge Striper fans, wanted to know, well, who was this guy that, you know, was worthy to step into to Mike's shoes? Hmm. But... I, I just thought it was just a fantastic experience. Uh, I stayed with Robert out there in, in California and uh, he, uh, man, he was such a cool guy to hang with. And then since then, Oz and I have become much better friends. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, I saw him the other night. Got to meet Perry I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Th that was yeah. I was being, a, I was being, a, I, I was Dale Thompson, the rock star that night. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I put on my rock star face and I just you went should. around like a maniac. So that, I said, that, awesome. yeah, I might not be able to ever do it again. I might as well do it here at the Striper show. Yeah. Oh so, yeah. So we, I, we talked to fans. It was great. So. I was like, was so ready for you to go on stage and do a song with them. I was just waiting, you know, I was like, I was, killer. I was, I was hoping deep down, but not expecting it. I was yep. kind of hoping to say, we have somebody here tonight. Might want to come oh, to hell yeah. with the devil with us because, uh, I was going to rip that song. I was, I had it already in my head, you know, I was, <laughs> I was going to go up there and just, just let it fly. And I think somebody asked Mike, and Mike's like, "Well, you know, we haven't rehearsed anything or any." Anything oh, okay. Like that. Yeah, I very seldom rehearse anything these days, so it doesn't matter to me. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> you know, if I if I don't know the song, I just scream. So. <laughs> yeah. uh, you wrote a you wrote a book. Uh, it was kind of an online book, right? It wasn't a print. But I remember reading something on your website. Can you talk about that? I mean, it, it it's, is it still it's out still there? On the, yeah, it's still on the broad, uh, broadpub.com uh, site, and it only goes up to the Absolute Records days with Des Dickerson and uh, and the Fistful of Bees album. And that is basically from my perspective only. I do think that I allowed either Scott Hall or Steve Osborne, maybe Scott Hall, to write a little piece in there to amend something that I said that he didn't agree with, and I was fine with that. Um but after after Absolute Records, we we've never written on it again. And I think to if we were to finish the book, Troy and I would actually have to sit down and write it together because I don't have the same memories as he does. If he shows me a picture, I can remember things. But if he if he's talking about it, it brings up memories, and then we can discuss it. 
And it, it, it would be cool if we had somebody to, to get us both together for a few days and finish the book out. But mm-hmm. uh, I don't foresee that happening uh, anytime soon. Yeah, it was a great it was a great read. And I don't, I don't like to read. I like to listen to audio. So it was. That, uh, but, you know, I was thinking as you were saying that I was thinking how cool it'd be if you guys had a podcast where you tell stories like that. You know, that would be so cool. Yeah. It would, yeah. Because if I get on if I get on live stuff by myself, I ramble. So okay. Troy would have to do it to keep me to keep me, uh, you know, on in the subject that we're talking about. So, yeah, that would be kind of cool. Um, and and, it, and it's, there's a likelihood of it because I am, I am planning on coming back to the States where we're in the process now of filling out the paperwork and, and um, doing, doing all the things that you have to do to sell a house and, and move to back to another country. So, Oh, okay. Um, this um, great. You mentioned greater. I'm, I think I'm pronouncing that right. They've re-released your albums. On, oh, Girder, uh, Girder, Girder Records. Girder, I'm yeah. sorry, Girder. Yeah, I got them right here. Uh, yeah, I love that they're doing this. This is so cool. So I'm, I'm assuming they just, uh, you guys got together and decided to release these. This is amazing for the fans. Um, uh, we weren't really, uh, we weren't really, uh, what, what do I say? Uh, we weren't part of that. They, they just released them. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> how, how, how do you feel about that? I mean, were you, were you glad they were released or? I mean, I'm not glad the release, but but I'm not getting paid for it. Yeah, that's terrible. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of that out there right now. There's a lot of uh, a lot of bands that have albums floating around that nobody's nobody's paying them for. If I bring a new band to a record label, they'll they'll pay me what you call a finder's fee. Mm-hmm. But because uh, the market has shrank so much, record companies are no longer buying your albums and supporting the band as such. Uh, they're wanting you to give them the album and then they'll give you some product. And then from there, uh, you're pretty much on your own. So there's no labels really doing that where they're, where it used to be in the old days, you were part of the label. Yes. This, these, these are all one album deals. You want the album? Oh, great. You're going to give me a couple hundred bucks for it. Sure. I'll take it. It's better than nothing. Oh, you know? Okay. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so and, and some of them will let you keep your digital digital royalties, but I think that's the least they can do because you know if they want a band to continue, they're going to have to they're going to have to support the bands, and that's why so many bands do one album and, and they're they're done with it. I've got projects now that haven't been released because they they can't get the support uh, yeah. that they need, and the market's flooded. There's too too many bands right now. I don't think the bands are being policed the way that they should to to see. I think they're just putting them out because somebody's recorded something. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. it's, it's, and it's not, it's, it's not always good for the market, you know, because you're giving, you're giving the consumer too much to think about. You know, I used to love the fact that I waited for an album. I didn't buy an album yes. for a few weeks. And finally I got that album. Now there's a new album every day, every day, you know? And, and I mean, and look who's talking. I'm the guy that's throwing out albums left and right, but I'm trying to only do the quality quality uh work when somebody approaches me I've, I've i've actually had to say no to a few people just because i just didn't think they were where they needed to be they needed to improve before i put my name associated with it but the bands that i have been associated with i really believe in um uh, you know uh i think that uh that these guys are writing some good music that you know at least in in the camp and in that circle that i'm in mm. 
Um, it, what's um, I kind of want to talk about a couple of records that were huge influence on me, and that's Kinetic Faith. That oh album, yeah. Do you ever go back and listen to these albums? Uh, very seldom. Um, I uh, I don't listen to a lot of music now. Mainly, it's like background music. Like if I'm writing and I've got some sort of ambient thing on uh, that I'm listening to in the background, it has yeah. no no vocals, so it can't influence me writing lyrics. Um, but no, I know that Kinetic Faith was was a powerful album, and that album would have never came to uh-huh. be. But Des Dickerson and Mike Kyle from uh, Star Song Records came to see us play a showcase for them in Louisville. Uh, Kentucky, and uh, they were so impressed. They said, "Well, let's do let's do two songs. We'll do Everybody Knows My Name, and we'll do Same Old Center, and we'll put them on an, an album, and we'll just see how it goes." Because they weren't they didn't want to commit because they didn't have a band like us and didn't know what might might be, you know, what it might be. Yeah. Uh, I think Des saw something in us because he come from that era. You know, he was in Prince and and all that. He worked with Prince. Oh, and that's cool. So he, yeah, so he he was Prince's guitar player. So he uh, he uh, saw something in us, and um, that the those two singles did so well, like fifteen weeks at number one and stuff like that. That they had to do something, you know. They couldn't let us go at that point. Uh, so they we signed a three record deal with them to do uh, the Kinetic Faith, the Snakes in the Playground. But when it came to Scarecrow Messiah, we didn't like what Star Song was doing uh, as a company. So we talked to John and Dino Alafonte, and they flew us to California, and we recorded uh, Scarecrow Messiah out there. And pretty much they told Star Song, we've got Brad's next album right here, but you don't get it. Unless you do whatever, I don't even know what they said, but we'll give you the album. Oh, the or you can have them, yeah, or you can either have them do another album and we, they're out of their contract, we're releasing this one. So I don't know what the deal was. I wasn't yeah. involved in that. I just was glad somebody was on our side because I just felt like the label was going one way and telling us one thing, and we were anticipating much more, and it never came. And then when John and Dino stepped in, it was like, hey, you know, these guys are our best, you know, our two new best friends. Uh, they they care about what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, that that's that's the way those three albums came. It seems like we do albums in threes. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll see, see what happens uh, after this one's released. Um, so, you know, Snakes in the Playground was set, like for me, that was such a, a huge album for me. Um, did you guys know that following, you know, Connect Faith, did you guys know you had like a really good album like how'd you feel about snakes in the playground we felt like we were the best band going at the time in any field uh we felt like we could hold our own against anybody live and if we could capture that live vibe in the studio uh we actually captured more of the live vibe in on kinetic faith i think but the mix dumbed it down a little um we weren't happy with the mix on kinetic faith at first but the more we we got used to it, I realized Steve Griffith, yeah, who produced it, if I think if he'd have been more forthright on how he was going to do it, we wouldn't have been offended by his mix, his initial mix. Mm. But we went we went with that mix, and the more it grew on us, I was like, 
you know, Steve might just be a genius. But then when when Plinky came along, I know sometimes it takes me forever to catch on. When no. Plinky came along and produced snakes, um, he he brought up the rawness that that we uh, that we we felt like we were, and there was so much energy on that album that you know throwing in two ballads didn't slow up the the momentum of this of the album at all. So that we knew that was going to be a good album. And that was a hard fault album too, because we recorded in a studio in Nashville that parts kept breaking down. We oh, had to have wow. a tech in. Yeah. There was a lot of stuff going on uh, in the studio, uh, you know, between the tension and the, you know, recording and, and just being exhausted. And, you know, I would sing like eight hours, you know, wow. and the worst, worst thing you want to hear from a producer is, Man, that was fantastic, Dale. Uh, but I think you got one more in you. I think you got. I think you got a better one in you. Let's let's hit that again. It's like, mm. are you out of your mind? <laughs> <laughs> do you ever lose your voice? I mean, I mean, do you ever burn out like that in in the studio? No, no, I never never have. The only time I've ever I've lost my voice twice. Uh, once it was in Brazil at the end of a tour, and I think that was basically stress because we literally went to Hades and back on that tour. And that was the last show and we were dead to the world and somewhere in North Carolina or South Carolina somewhere. I just had to apologize and say, you know, guys, I'm, I'm shot. I can't do it. And then I found out I had a lacerated vocal cord and uh, mm. they, they wanted to, to do surgery on me at that point. So instead of doing surgery, I just prayed a lot and I went into fistful of bees uh, with no voice so that that's why there's no big screams on fistful of bees is because wow. uh my, i had a lacerated vocal cord so i had major damage in there and since oh, then wow, i've damaged a... it worse yeah but i've learned how to i've learned, learned how to work it since i've i've never had it repaired so wow i never knew that yeah so it's only yeah. so they got back yeah uh, when you were yeah. doing when you guys were doing snakes in the playground did you have all this stuff written written uh, before you guys hit the studio or were you writing and recording at the same time? We had everything pre-produced except the song Goodbye, which we wrote in the studio. Hmm. Okay. Troy had the melody on the piano and I, and I had lyrics. And so I wrote this, I wrote the lyrics there and uh, Planky, who was a better piano player at the time than Troy said, well, let me play the piano. Oh, and I'll cool. play the piano on it, and uh, that's how it how, that's how it came about. So oh, he played the piano. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. How, if, how long... if my memory serves right, I'm pretty sure it was Plucky played piano. Yeah. <laughs> Did you guys tour that record to death? I mean, I'm, I think I saw you guys on that tour, but was that a we, long run? We yeah, well, we did, but I think we did Snake and we did Scarecrow not too long after that. Really, I know that with with Snakes in the Playground, you know, we went to Brazil, we went to Europe, Scandinavia. Oh, yeah up through Canada and stuff. And um, I, I think with Scarecrow, we did some Scandinavian and, and Germany stuff. But slowly, the, the market started changing. Uh, something something dreadful happened, which is called uh, praise and worship. And, <laughs> and uh, all these youth pastors that were involved in bringing bands like Bride and Baron Cross and Guardian and all these bands out to do shows, they decided to set up their own stages, create their own bands and buy their own light show and their fog machines and call it youth church. And so uh, next thing you know, um, heavy metal bands were a thing of the past. And, 
you just had a lot of these contemporary artists coming in and, and doing the shows. But I blame the decline of Christian hard rock heavy metal on youth pastors alone. Okay. Yeah. That that that's interesting because you know a lot of a lot of people always talk about grunge destroying the, the that that kind of scene. The hard I'm not calling you guys the 80s scene or anything like that, but interesting enough that 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 kind of style of music uh affected you, what you guys were doing as well. So what do you think yeah, about the it, grunge? Did, did that have an effect on you as well? The, the you know whole Nirvana thing coming out? Um well, Seattle had an effect on everybody, whether they, they admit it or not. Uh, it definitely did. It went from the tones of your guitar to the people changing the melodies. I mean, to, to not change at that time when bands like Nirvana and Pearl Jam were so big mm. uh, and they, they, just, they swept away everything, you know, I mean, you had to change some. Bands like Metallica didn't have to change because they were heavy metal, heavy metal all the time. And then they changed almost to their demise. Uh, bands like Brad wasn't heavy enough not to change. So we had to do something to be relevant. And that's why we did the Jesus experience. I thought the Jesus experience yeah, was that, a good representation of mm -hmm. both rock and grunge sort of combined together. You know, the worm was definitely 100 percent, you know, Nirvana. That's that's what we were going for. Yeah. Uh, I want to go back to the Scarecrow Messiah. I, I'm such a geek. I printed it out and framed it. <laughs> uh, I don't even have one of those. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, yeah. This is. Yeah. <laughs> I wish this was on vinyl, and I wish you got paid for it if it was on vinyl. The the I love the album cover though. And speaking like, how did you guys pick this album cover? Now, I'm assuming that you fronting. For yeah, the yeah. And most people don't even see that, so they. I didn't see, see it, that but, when I was when I was yeah. younger. Yeah. Yeah, they're like, "What is that?" I said, "It's me." <laughs> they're like, "Really?" I'm like, "Yeah." Uh, uh, Tony Thickpin from uh, Star Song, I think, created that. I, I think so. Created that. Uh, and and I think I just sent him a picture. Uh, and I thought they would have put a collage or something like that together. And she come up with that. And we, he said, ah, that works for us. So, yeah, I yeah. I love this album. Um, and I remember reading in your book, you're like, weren't there pressures to follow up Snakes in the Playground? Oh, there was massive, and there still is to this day. Everything that we do, people will say, uh, uh, "A good, you guys did a good album." Snakes is still my favorite, guys. You know how come not a Snakes too? I said I've done Snakes too. It's called Scarecrow Messiah. Oh, that, you know? I love Scarecrow Messiah. I mean that, that album's amazing too. I think yeah, and then album. I and then we did uh, this is it, which is my favorite Pride album. I love and, that album. Yeah, I'm sorry. And I said, and I said that's that's Snakes. It's Snakes too. Yes. There's another Snakes too. And people just didn't get it. And I'll tell you why, because they were in a different place than they were when they heard Snakes. For some reason, when Snakes came out, people, the majority of the hard rock fans of this this genre, they all seemed to be in a place that it connected with them. And then I think they may have moved on, but we didn't. Mm -hmm. We come out with Snakes 2 on Scarecrow Messiah. And by then, I think, I think maybe they weren't so much over it, but they 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 didn't know i don't think people really knew what snakes 2 was supposed to sound like i mean what just redo all the songs again i mean mm -hmm. that's the only way to get snakes 2 uh, this this new album that we've got coming out called uh, are you awake uh, it smokes it rips it oh, is yeah. it is it is snakes in the playground you know it's uh it's just 30 years later so right. you got you got an old dude singing you know you got just it's just normal heavy rock riffs like Troy plays. It's mm -hmm. we're not we're not inventing the wheel. We're 
we're, we're actually just doing what we do. And your, your voice is incredible. Even over the years, you know, you're talking about 30 years later and you're, you're so strong. I mean, I, I guess you just take care of your voice. I mean, it's, it's just amazing that, I mean, you can't, the older you get, your voice still sounds the same. It sounds even better. Well, my, my, uh, my technique to singing is do not warm up because it wears out your voice before you sing. Uh, only drink water. Uh, that will go against every vocal teacher that's ever taught vocals, but I've never had a vocal lesson. So oh, wow. uh, it, it works for me. And I never wanted to learn to do something so properly that it took the rock out of it. Uh, I've seen people do rock music and, and do covers uh, there's a couple of people that come to mind and sometimes it's spot on. And then sometimes they're, they're so their technique and everything is so formatted. It's, it just looks so rehearsed rather than just being just that role, let it come out. I know where to pull my vocal from, whether it's my gut, my diaphragm, my throat, mm -hmm. swirl the words around in my mouth and spit them out with my tongue, you know, I, ju I just know what feels right. So that's what I do. I don't have to go, oh, well, this song, I need to get my head voice. That, I don't even know what that's talking about. Mm -hmm. No. <laughs> I just heard people talk about that. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going to I'm going to hit you with some random a couple random things that, uh, that I'm thinking of. Um, the first one is speak into the machine. I had a speak in, into the machine T-shirt that I wore out and it had holes in it. Um, <laughs> will you ever bring that project back or is that a done thing? Uh, well, you know, I have been doing a lot of solo stuff. I did the Speaking to the Machine. That was my first real solo thing, a very experimental acid rock, just bizarre from one end up to the other, you know. And I did um, another solo album I did was the, the Dale Thompson and the Religious Overtones, and then Dale Thompson and the Kentucky Cadillacs. That was two blues albums. I did the oh, Acoustic yeah, yeah. Daylight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the Acoustic Daylight I did with Greg Martin of K Kentucky Headhunters. Uh, he played guitar on it and I sang. So it's just me and Greg in the studio. I taught him the songs and right there in the studio and he played them and, and we, we recorded live. So that that's called Acoustic uh, Daylight. I did I did one called uh, Unbridled, which I'm not real happy with. Uh, but anyway, it still, it still got picked up and distributed. And then I started the band uh, Del Thompson and the Boondogs and we're working on our third album. Oh, nice. And it, so all these projects you're doing, they're all available. Is it the Bride Hub? Is that, am I saying that right? I mean, I haven't been on there in a while. But is there um, one source you can get it from? Well, the best place to get it, because we have stopped selling our own albums, uh, we just, ha just haven't had time and to, to keep up, is uh, boonsoverstock.com. Uh, oh, yes. that's, that's the best place to, to find it. Or if, if you go over to the Girder Music site, uh, they've got uh, the with with bride they they'll have some of the uh special release albums and stuff the cool vinyl the blue vinyl red vinyls and mm -hmm. you know remastered and stuff yeah your um is your is your new ep that you guys are putting out that that's on that's available on boons as well right or is that yeah just girder yeah no that yeah that's boons that that is something that matt uh matt hunt uh, put together so is that limited edition this new ep is it like only a uh, certain amount of copies i think it's maybe? sold out yeah i think it's already yeah. sold out it was a couple hundred 250 copies or something so if somebody got it they got something really rare well so. that's that that's good i mean you guys gonna release more or, or is that it i think that's it until the till the album comes out and i don't know what matt's marketing strategy is it's 
when we record now, it's it's kind of like we go through the birthing process and we have the child and we just hand it to somebody and hope they raise it well and we never see it again. <laughs> so it's just, yeah, you know, and and the way that I'm I'm recording now is I don't have to learn the songs because uh, I'm not touring. So I honestly don't know any of the new material whatsoever. I just recorded it and off it goes. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, yeah, so I don't spend days rehearsing a song before I record it. When Troy sends me a song, hmm. I, I immediately open up my uh, my recording equipment and I start recording. And in two hours, I'm done with the song and send it back to him. Okay. So Where in, the, you... in the old days, it was weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you? Yeah, sorry, you, know, you... Yeah. Are you, are you? I'm sorry. Are you becoming uh, tech savvy? I mean, it sounds like you know what you're you're doing over I don't, there. I don't have a clue. <laughs> I do not have a clue. Matter of fact, this this microphone here, I've got two of these, and I've got a little um, audio box USB PreSonus, and all the vocals goes into there. And the only thing that I know to do to raise my vocals up and down is either get close to the mic or back up. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to say, <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, it's like uh, that's kind of loud. I better back up another few inches, you know, that type of thing. So, are you guys? <laughs> so, you, you said you mentioned you're not touring. Are you not touring anymore at all, or is you retired from played, the stage? We haven't played a live show in about twelve years. Really? And um, if I get back to the states and we can work it out, Troy and I have talked about going out and and playing shows, even if it's just Troy and I going out and playing like the people's favorite songs that they want to hear, you know, like everybody knows my name, would you die for me? Psychedelic super Jesus, some of those songs like that. And we just, and then we make it a storytelling oh, uh, nice. event. Yeah. yeah. Some people, some people say I wouldn't come unless you played full blown. And I'm like, I'm glad I wouldn't want you there anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Matter of fact, if we play full blown, don't come, you know, that's right. Of well, you know, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I remember so, seeing you guys play acoustic in, in at Atlanta fest. I want to say back in the day, um Troy yeah. and I used to rip it up acoustically. I mean, he would he would beat the guitar like he was trying to, you know, pray a grenade out from underneath of somebody to toss it away. You know, I mean he was he would brutalize his acoustic guitar <laughs> and I would still do all the screaming and the the singing. It just we just didn't have the drums and bass behind us. So uh we we, we did feel a bit bit naked without without Jerry and Rick in those days, you know, yeah. if they if they weren't there. Uh you know that that was that was a good that was a good lineup of of bride was absolutely that, that was a monster band that was the, i know that's not the original lineup but to me that's like the the classic lineup is you know jerry uh, and ricky and yeah throwing you guys it's a shame you know i guess i guess uh do you ever uh, you know with ricky ricky passing right he, that was, yeah rick yeah. rick had passed away a, a couple of years ago uh and i didn't even know he was sick i didn't I didn't get word that he was sick until the day before he died. Uh, wow. So he, he sort of kept it to himself, uh, but he, he had cancer and he, he ended up passing away. Uh, Jerry is actually quite busy, quite active. Uh, he plays in a, a cover band called Rumors in the uh, Louisville, Southern Indiana area. And he's uh, some sort of assistant pastor at a, at a church somewhere. Oh, right now. oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be yeah, cool so, if you guys yeah. did his acoustic stuff and you had him play like some djembe or something, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. Troy's got a djembe you could use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, yeah that's that'd really be cool. That'd be cool. Jer Jerry, uh, Jerry was always 
always the guy that we wanted behind the kit. You know, he was the guy that that we had most confidence in. And then this young kid named Michael Loy came along who beat the drums like a beast. And Mike, uh, we, we wanted to do the album. Mike learned the songs and he blasted onto the scene. He's the one that played on uh, This Is It. And, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. And um, he played whatever came after that. He played an album that came over after that. But I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think Michael Loy played more live shows than Jerry did. Really? Uh, yeah. And most people don't remember that. But Mike's Mike's got a band, and I can't remember it now. He's He's got a Christian band. Uh, they're more uh, contemporary rock type band. But mm-hmm. man, they're really, really good. If I, I don't, I mean, you can find Mike on Facebook, but I forget the name of the band. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And I don't yeah. know why I'm plugging him. Mike won't write me back anymore. So. <laughs> yeah, thanks, man. Uh, I got a yeah. couple more little props here I was wanting to show you. Um, right. You talk about being on uh, magazine covers, Heaven's Metal. Do you ever miss oh, yeah. these days? I, I do miss those days. Really? It, you know, it's you know, for me, it wasn't even an ego boost uh, to no. be on the cover of a magazine. It was more like it validated the status in my mind that we were still relevant to some degree. So right. I was just, I was always worrying that you know this is it, guys. Probably one more year and we're done. And here it is, forty years and we're still going. So that's yeah. pretty pretty bad. <laughs> It's pretty cool to show your parents too. Like, look, I'm on a magazine cover, you know? Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Flex and, we, a little. and we, and Troy and I have always had a great, uh, great uh, connection with our parents who, who have supported us from the beginning. Even when we didn't know what we were doing, we made them think we knew what we were doing so they wouldn't worry. So. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Do, does anyone in your family, like you, you and Troy, do you guys collect bride stuff from the past? Or you got, I mean, is your family, or do you have, or you just don't, you're not a big collector. I think Troy keeps one of everything that we do, at least maybe two. I've got, I've got a partial bit, but it's just basically to make sure that I don't forget what I've done. Uh, <laughs> I've got like, I've got a silence is madness on the wall. Here's your God on the wall. I've got, I got a bunch of live to die and stuff that they sent me over here and show no mercy albums that they sent from a uh, girder, uh, but they're all still in the boxes. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I uh, I don't have a big collection of anything. The only thing I have a collection of is things that, that the record companies would send me too much of. Oh, like, okay. I'm in bloody New Zealand, so you send me 50 CDs. What am I going to do with 50 CDs in New Zealand? <laughs> there's there's only six bride fans in the whole country, so uh, <laughs> it costs too much to mail them out. So those are going to be, those are going to go to homeless people or something. I don't know. I'll hand them out sooner or later. Like here, I want an album. I don't have a dollar, but you know, you, know? Just, you should just give them to your kids on Christmas. You know, I'm sure they'll, they'll appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know if my kids listen to what I do. Yeah, I do they? Ask, that's so. a that's a good question. Well, my my oldest two sons, Alex and Zachary, uh, are known to be musicians. So so they do listen, and I send stuff to my youngest son, uh, Jordan, and he'll comment and say, "Hey, that's pretty cool, Dad," or you know. Uh, but Jordan's not making making music. Uh, Jordan's actually all three of them can sing really well, but they've got other interests. I guess they've oh, seen yeah. the road that I've gone down, and they're like, "Ah, I don't <laughs> want to go down that road, boy. They can never get out of there. It's a rabbit hole." Yeah, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right on. Does your wife yeah. listen to Bride? Does she, is she a Bride fan or any any of your projects? 
that's that's a crazy thing because um, I moved here to get married, right? I got to take a leg brace off real quick. Oh, yeah. Oh, I got a torn meniscus in my knee right now. So I put that on, I lose circulation. But uh, no, it's a weird thing because uh, we just had our ninth uh, year uh, wedding anniversary a few days ago. Oh, and yeah, thank you. And the and the reason and the reason that we're even together is because I was single and she was single at the time. Uh, you know, both had had another life before the life we were living. And um, it was on New Year's Eve. Uh, must have been 2013, maybe. I think uh, I'm guessing at some dates, but anyway, and uh, I, I was up late, you know, by myself talking to fans on the computer like I do. And uh, it's when they used to have that poke button. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Facebook. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I remember. No, uh, I, I, saw, I saw a picture. Yeah. Uh, MySpace or Facebook. One morning. of those. Yeah. 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 So anyway, I poked her or whatever just to say, hey, what's going on? You know, hope you're having a I didn't even know who she was. I just saw there's a very pretty blonde. Yeah. yeah, you know, I'll just make some contact here. I'd, I'd already probably talked to, you know, five or 10 people and, uh, you know, I was winding down for the night and everything. And uh, then I get a poke back and I'm like, oh, I'm like, hey, how are you? Where, you know, where are you from? Uh, I live in New Zealand. I'm like, well, that's, that's over quick. <laughs> you know, that, that ain't going to work. And uh, so we, we started talking and um, we Skype dated for several months. And then um, I said, well, I said, why don't I come out to New Zealand and see you? I said, you know, we can, we can tour around the country. You can show me the country and stuff. And as I've never been to New Zealand, I've been other places, but never there. She said, oh, yeah, yeah. So she took her holiday. And um, I came here and we toured around the North Island and uh, decided that, yeah, I think probably we should get married. Wow. And so yeah. I went back to the to the U.S. not knowing what all it would entail. I did have to get a tourist visa to come, so I knew how difficult it was to get a tourist visa. So then I had to get another type of visa. But uh, she said she honestly didn't think I was coming back. She just figured once I left, that was it, you know, and back yeah. back to normal life. And uh, then I started telling her, uh, you need to be looking for an engagement ring. She's like, what? I'm like, hey, you need to find yourself an engagement ring. I, you know, I've got three cars and I just sold one of them. So I'm, I'm getting some money together and stuff to come back. And then um, end up selling my house, got rid of the cars, found homes for my dogs, uh, all that stuff. And uh, came here. And in uh, 2014, uh, we got married. So, And to find out, she had my albums. Oh, she did. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I I wasn't her favorite band, but she had my album. So. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, yeah that, that's a huge step, man. <laughs> Selling all your stuff and 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 moving like that. That's it's it's pretty big. insane. I've no, I've, I mean that's I've not all, insane. It's just big. I've always been been a risk taker. You know, I've I've always if if my gut says to do it, I just do it. I I don't have any any fear. My my biggest fear of anything in this life is is uh, probably not having fear. So, I mean, I'll tackle anything, you know, you know, I box for 20 something years. So you learn that you can't let fear be a, be a factor. If you, you have to keep your mind on what you're doing, you know, right. You, you can't think of failure. You have to think, you know, I'm going to overcome whatever's in front of me. And uh, yeah. So uh, 
yeah, I, you know, I guess if I was standing on the edge of a building somewhere, I might be a bit, bit frightful, but I don't think the word fear is exactly the right word. So. Wow. And that's, that's crazy, man. I fear so many things. <laughs> do, do you ever, <laughs> do you ever do any dangerous stuff like skydiving? I mean, do you ever fear I've, about that kind of stuff? I have skydived before. Uh, um, that, that was, that was way cool. Uh, I didn't get as much out of it as people get out of it though. Um, because I really didn't know what to expect. I, I was someplace and Troy pulled up in the drive and it's a convertible Mustang. He's got a nice classic convertible Mustang. And this was years ago. And this was right before drop, uh, the album drop. And he pulls yeah. up and he goes, Hey, I want to go skydiving. You want to go? I'm like, okay. Wow. So yeah. Jumped in the car and <laughs> just like that. Off we went and, Paid 150 bucks and went up, and jumped out tandem, and that was that was quite cool. Troy Troy actually loved it so much that, that he's he bought two airplanes and he's become a pilot. So oh, that's that's crazy. I need <laughs> to interview that guy. I think I got to interview Troy sometime, man. That's cool. Troy, you got to ask Troy the right questions though. You you got to Troy. Ha, Troy is a uh, enigma. He uh, is he. Unless you ask him, you're not. He's not going to reveal anything. I'll, I'll tell you anything, even if you don't ask. <laughs> but Troy, but Troy's different. You know, he's Troy. Uh, it's not like he's got anything hiding in the closet, but he's got a lot of things going on that you just wouldn't think of. So, <laughs> is he your older brother or younger brother? Uh, he's younger than me, but two years and so many months. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but I got the I got the looks, so that's that's what is the good part out of. He got the brains, I got the good looks. <laughs> yeah, man, that's that's awesome. It, it, well, Dale, man, I really appreciate you uh, being on the show. This means a lot to me. You know, I, 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 I grew up. I appreciate it. If if somebody didn't show interest, then it would be it would be a bit of a of a drab thing, you know, to to think that you've completely been forgotten. You no, know? So, no, and and it's and it's funny because when you ask me about doing this. Yeah. I had just posted uh, a video and I had said, uh, I'm not doing any more interviews oh, with right. anybody for any reason. If you want to talk to somebody, talk to my brother. <laughs> and I posted that. The next day you wrote and you said, uh, would you like to do an interview? <laughs> I was like, well, that guy's gutsy, man. I just said. I, I didn't said, even did know he, he said did... that. That's funny. Yeah, I was like, did he just see me post that? And he's like, yeah, I'll get you on the show. <laughs> oh, no, man. I'm not gutsy. That, that's funny. I had no idea. You, you, that's hilarious. You did an interview uh, with my buddy Joel from Imaginary Music. That was that was cool that you were on there. Yeah. yeah. You know what? He, he, he's, he was so kicked back and laid back. He And I didn't know him. I, I, you know, I know people by their pictures, right, on Facebook. Right. And if you ever change your picture on Facebook, I think you're a new person. I, I can't. <laughs> I just don't. If the if it changes, I'm like, okay, I don't. I don't know who that is. But uh, yeah, but yeah, I knew his. I knew his face because he's had that picture up for a while. And yeah, I was like, yeah, that's, that's real cool. I'm glad, glad he got a hold of me on that. Yeah, and so and also, uh, I'm buddies with Jericho, Chris Jericho, and you've got to be on his show, man, because he, he loves. Uh, do you know how to get a hold of Jericho? Yeah. Yeah, I'll reach out because to Because Jericho and I were really good friends years ago. Uh, he approached me. Uh, he contacted me on Facebook or MySpace or something and said, uh, hey, you might not know who I am, but my name is Chris Irvine. I wrestle on the WWF or WWE, whatever it was. And he said, I just want to let you know I love what you're doing. I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm a huge fan. So I'm like, okay, for real, who are you? And why would you think that I believe that you're the real Chris Jericho? 
And he wrote, writes back and he goes, why, why would I think you're the real Dale Thompson? And I <laughs> said, great. I said, okay, here's my phone number. Call me. So phone rings. It's Chris. Hello. Hey, Chris Jericho here. I'm like, get out of here, man. That's like, so, so That's Chris awesome. came, Chris came to Louisville and we went to church uh, together. Oh, cool. We had pizza together. Uh, he came another time and we were backstage and stuff. And then Fozzie came through and, yeah, and, you know, hanging out with him on the tour bus and stuff. But, after this is over, send me Chris's info because I've just I've moved. I've I've left the planet basically and I've lost contact with him. I mean, not just that I want to be on a show, but I just want to say hi to him and let him know that you know it wasn't like I had forsaken our friendship. So yeah, man, uh, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's yeah. cool. I didn't know yeah, all that. I didn't know you guys went to church together and ate pizza. That's awesome, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My mom, my mom, who is actually a black belt in Taekwondo, demonstrated oh, cool. a karate chop to Chris while he was eating pizza at Pizza <laughs> Hut. And uh, she almost came too close with the chop to the throat. Oh, I was really? like, Mom, please. And Chris was like, whoa, feisty <laughs> little woman. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, that's nuts. <laughs> All right, Dave. Well, I appreciate it again, man. Being on the show, this means the world to me. So, thank you All so right, much. Yeah, thank you. And, and let let me know. Uh, are you are you do you post this somewhere? Yes, I'll so I'll post it on um, YouTube, and then I'm part of a classic metal show network, the CMS network, and that, it'll be posted on, on that side as well. Uh, it'll probably be posted in a few weeks. Yeah, maybe. Oh, two I, weeks. yeah, just yeah. Uh, hit hit me up and, and send me a tag on it or something. So Absolutely, I'll, I'll promote it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Hey, appreciate it a whole lot. You take care of yourself. You too, Dale. Let's keep in touch, man. I'll, I'll let you know about right. Chris or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Let me know. Let me know. Appreciate that. Thank you. Hey, take care, Dale. Thank you. God bless. You too, man.